All right, good morning, everybody. Yes. Turn to Joshua chapter 3 and 4, if you will. That's where we'll be this morning, Joshua 3 and 4. A couple things coming up. Uh, baptism, August 26th. If you've asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, uh, received Him into your heart, we'd love to baptize you if you haven't been. Uh, if you want to rededicate your life, love to do that also. It's between you and the Lord. Um, but we'll be doing it August 26th after second service out at Mazingo Beach here. Uh, and so, love to do that. We've got five or six already, so... The more the merrier. Also, the conference down in uh, St. Joe, the leadership conference, and just, it's for anybody. Anybody can come to it. Um, that's going to be at uh, Gracie Evangelical. That's a, they're a Calvary Chapel now. They've been affiliated, and uh, so they're going to be leading the Midwest Calvary Chapel uh, leadership conference down there. If you're interested in going to that, you can sign up online. There's information on the back table for that, so you know where to go, what website to do, and all. Also, we've got the laptop back here ready to go. If you need help, we can do it right here. Um, if you don't have internet at home, we can go ahead and sign you up right now for it. So if you're interested, that's coming up also 6th and 7th, I believe, of September. 7th and 8th, sorry, 7th and 8th. Um, that's coming up. All right. Today, after second service, there's going to be some kickball at Beal, or we've got the slip and slide out for tonight, for today. So it's, and we've got the foam and everything like the kids had at the camp, and anybody can go on it. If you're wondering, well, I don't know, I'm kind of old. You can go. <laughs> you can go. We'll shove you. We'll do whatever we got to do to get you down there. Um, it's out back out here. Um, it's 100 foot long. Um, it's extreme slip and sliding, okay? Um, possible injuries, all sorts of things. So, Sign away. Yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah, we don't have insurance anyway, so you're good. It really suicide. No, we haven't. I'm just kidding. All right. Joshua, chapter 3 and 4. As we get into... The journey begins as they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan here, and they do that today. Um, we've seen this new beginning with Joshua. Uh, what Moses couldn't do and didn't do by the law, bringing the people into the promised land, Joshua, a type of Christ, does. Um, we've seen God let everybody know that he is his new man on the scene, the new leader, and everybody's accepted it, much like our picture of Christ in our lives as Christians. He comes and we realize he is the Messiah, the one sent by God for us. Um, and then we say, like they said, we will do all that you tell us to do. We'll be obedient to you. Um, and we really mean it. We really want to be. Now, we don't do such a great job, and neither do they, but the picture is there for us. We're, our heart's right, and their heart is right. They really want to do well. They know what their parents did. They know what their grandparents did, and they, they really want to follow the Lord, to walk by faith and to do it. And so they see the beginning of this, and they, they do an excellent job. They really do. And God is gracious. God leads them. He's been leading them for 40 years with Moses and then pillar of fire, pillar of smoke, and so on. He's going to lead them across the Jordan as well. He's always called us to follow, never called us to lead him. And so verse 1, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. At other times, God has told them to not stay, uh, get too close to the ark, and he's going to tell them that later on, because they'll die if they touch it. Only the priest can touch it. But that's not the reasoning behind this. As the ark goes out, let it lead you. 
Remember what the ark is. The ark is basically God's throne. It's the ark. It's a wooden box covered with gold. It's got a mercy seat on top of it. And it was, it was in the temple or the tabernacle at the time. The Shekinah glory would rest upon it. And that was his chair, basically. And so they're going to take God's chair, his throne, and they're going to move across the Jordan. But don't go ahead of it. Follow it. Let him go before you. And it's not about the chair. It's about who's on it that matters. And that's important. It'll be important later on. And so we want you to see that. Now, I want you to keep 3,000 feet back. Keep some distance between you and it. It's the details. This isn't about worrying about someone touching it and dying. That's later on. They'll talk about that. This is about just common sense. You've got a million and a half people. You know, if it takes a right turn, you don't want them all running into each other. You know, as they go, just give it some space. And as you see it move, we can kind of move with it. He's just, God is very much into the details of things. He's already seen it. He knows what it's going to look like. He thinks ahead. And he knows what it's going to be. And he wants them to just, just do that. Give it about 3,000 feet. Give it some space until they cross over. Of course, they'll all pass it. But for now, follow it and keep it there. So, interesting timing for crossing the Jordan. This is at flood stage. God's chosen this time specifically. He could have come at any other time, but he chooses flood stage to go across. Um, he knows historians. He knows what they like to diminish the work of God by explaining away miracles, and we still do it to this day. Over time, we've discussed and thought about, well, you know, the Red Sea really wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Sea of Reeds. Maybe you've heard that. which is about two foot of water, and there's a ridge of rock upon it, and the water got blown by just an abnormality of an east wind, pushing it past hard enough so that it could expose those rocks, and they go across it. Well, God always protects himself from foolish historians like that saying then if that's the case then he drowned the entire Egyptian army in two feet of water there's no way around it you cannot explain away God's miraculous it really was the Red Sea they really did drown and it really was a lot of water and very deep it's nothing's too big for our God sometimes the miracles you know how could a fish swallow a man and we're talking about the God that created the universe. It's spoken into existence. We've got much bigger problems than a fish swallowing a man. If you've got a problem with that, then how in the world did he ever create this universe? And if he did, what is impossible for him? And that's what he's trying to get across. We're not going to cross it when it's dry, when there's a trickle of water coming down the Jordan. We're going to go at flood stage. Why? Why? Because he doesn't think like we do. That's how I think. What's, what do we use around here in the Midwest? Work smarter, not harder, right? Gotta, let's go when it's dry. Let's go when it's easy. Let's, let's get some help. Let's all carry the drywall together inside, you know? Let's just do things simply and easily. God says, nothing is hard for me. It's not harder for me to do it at flood stage than it is for when it's a trickle. It's not hard at all for me. So let's do it at the worst possible time for crossing. This is when you do this. This is when I do this, God says. And so he's going to do it at flood stage. And then he gives him three days to think about it. Here we are. We're at the Jordan. We're going to hold back the waters. And it's at flood stage. He's going to give him three days to watch that swift water. This is crazy. Let's get it all out of your system, everybody. Let's get it all out of your system. Say all the things that shouldn't be happening right now. Think it all through. And let it rest upon you. Because I don't want you going across thinking, oh, I can't believe what just happened. I want you to know it's happening. God wants us in the moment. Once it's living it, I don't want to look back and say, oh, I guess God was in that. We have those times when we can look back and say, God was in it the whole time. And that's great. But it's also nice to know God's in it while you're in it, to live it. Then you're walking by faith because that means you weren't walking by faith if you have to look back and recognize it then. 
It was just happenstance. It was just something that, oh, I, I, I was so fearful, I was so scared, but as I look back on it, I guess God was in it after all. That's fine, and that's good to know, but now remember that for the future when you go through these difficult times or a difficult situation. Look for God beforehand. He gives them three days to think about this. He's really going to stop the water. We're going to get our Red Sea moment, they're thinking. Our parents had it. I kind of remember it. Some of us do, some of us don't. This is our moment. This is it, and they're thinking about it. Time to back out. Time to get afraid. Time for Satan to whisper all things in their ear, but... He gives them three days to think about it before we go across. It's important. And he picks the worst possible time. He's going to name off all the enemies he's going to take out too. He wants them all to know the seriousness of this before we go across. And how big he is. And how they can trust him in all sorts of things. This is uh, interesting. This 3,000 feet. um, You don't know where I'm going to go. You've never traveled this way before. I don't want you passing me. I don't want you thinking that you know where we're headed. I don't want you anticipating my moves. God says, I want you to stay right behind me. Keep 3,000 feet back. That's my struggle. I don't like that. I can see where you're going with that. I can see where you're headed. Of course you're going over there. Meet me up there. And I love to bypass God and run past him and say, I'm over here. I'm, I, I knew it. I knew you were over here. And I'll, oh, you're going down the valley. And i got to play catch-up. I'm constantly playing catch-up. God says, give me 3,000 feet so that you can follow and not get ahead of me. Always follow God. We never want him to be the follower in our lives. It's a church's biggest mistake. Any fellowship, any church is when they ask God to bless their efforts. When they ask him to come along with their ideas. When they bring God along, they're going to do that. This chair, this ark and the mercy seat and this throne of God is going to be carried by the priest ahead of them. And that's the way it's always supposed to be throughout this entire conquering of Canaan. But at one point, they're going to come to this city called Ai. And they're going to go ahead and bring their talisman or their good luck charm, the ark with them. And they're going to get beat because God didn't tell them to go. He didn't lead them. They brought him along. Come on, ark. We're going to go conquer some more people. And they used it. Oh, they use it like a good luck charm, and that's not what it is. It's his chair. You can take my chair if you want to, but I ain't on it. It's me. And I never want to put God in my back pocket and ask him to come along with me. God's my co-pilot. No. <laughs> no. He's the pilot. He's the pilot. So, follow. And so he's leading them and teaching them. This is how I want it to be all the way across. This is going to be their doorway into Canaan. This is their way of getting in to begin to conquer their enemies. It's going to be a supernatural work of God. They're all going to see this. They're all going to see supernatural work of God that you can't explain away. And they're going to know now that as they go through this door into the promised land, that God will also take care of their enemies. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. They're going to have to get their feet wet. Walking by faith is hearing God and then going to do. Rahab, we learned last week, what a great woman of God who didn't know this God, but knew of this God and knew what her gods didn't do and couldn't do and that they were deaf, dumb idols. She had figured that out, although never meeting this other God. And in the middle of a 
fortress in the middle of the strength of men, she chose to trust in the God of tents. And so when that opportunity came, her faith was prepared, the opportunity came to help those spies of the Israelites, she did it, which proved her faith. That was the fruit of her faith. It was the evidence of her faith. Likewise, these guys are going to have to step in the water. God told me to go in, I'm going in. Flood stage, carrying a big heavy golden ark with some other people, and yet you're going to have to get your feet wet. A lot of us stand on the east side of the Jordan looking at the, the water running by. I'm not sure if I should step in or not. I'm not sure what it is. And to be honest with you, you guys, you probably have two different people out there in that situation standing on it. Some, well, they know God told them to do it, but they're just not sure he's going to follow through. That's a problem. That's something that needs to change. On the other hand, there's those of us who are like, I don't know if I heard from God or not. I mean, I know he did. And I know he wants us to cross over the Jordan and I want to do it. But what if this is the wrong spot? I mean, what if it was four miles downstream or three miles upstream? I don't know which it is. And you start doubting and second-guessing the fact that you did or didn't hear from the Lord. God wants us to step in the water. What you do, you do by faith. And he honors that faith. I'm not saying he does whatever we do by faith. I'm not saying that whatever I decide to do, he's going to come along board. But when your heart is to please him and to do his will, and you step into that water, he likes that. Any parent likes that. When your kids believe you, maybe they... Maybe execution was the problem, but they got the right idea of the matter. You don't chew, chew them out for the execution. You chew, hey, you tried. You know, I, Your heart was right. You had the right idea. Bad execution, but the right idea, and you want to adjust that a little bit. Our Father in heaven is no different. He wants us to do well. He wants them to get across the Jordan. He wants them to conquer their enemies. He wants to be their God. He wants to be close to them. He's not looking for excuses to dump them. He wants them. And so he says, I want you to cross over. Get ready. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here. Oh, wait, I missed a part, didn't I? Oh, yeah, the supernatural, right. Verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. I don't want to camp out here very long, but I find it interesting. He wants them to come over here and hear the word of the Lord. It's not a complicated thing, but they do have to go where the word of the Lord is being told and shared. We have this Bible in our hands and it sits wherever it sits in your house, but it never levitates over towards you, opens itself up and points to the scripture you're supposed to read. Wouldn't that be great? But it doesn't. This is the sword of the spirit. This is the word of God. This is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut between the joint and the marrow, between the soul and the spirit. And it's the tool of the Holy Spirit in your life. I have to go to it, I have to open it, I have to read it. I'm to go to it and he will speak to me. Yes. This is what he uses for us. This is his word. This is how he confirms things to us. This is how he gives us direction. This is how he teaches us to grow in faith and trust and following him. And so he tells them, I want you to come here and hear the words of the Lord. I don't go to you, you come to me. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you that he will without fail drive out from before you, here's the list of enemies, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe. We'll see these guys again later. I want you to pick 12 guys to follow the guys in the, with the ark. 
We'll talk about what they're going to do in a minute. But get them. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So he's going to dam it up up here. He's going to stop that water from coming down. It's going to dry up, and all that other water is going to go on down um, to the sea. But not until you guys step in the water. Not until you get your sandals wet. And some of you needed to hear that this morning. When you're standing at the edge of the Jordan, you're not sure what you're supposed to do. You're waiting for the waters to dry up so you can cross over. He wants you in the water. Get in the water and let that water stop. But you've you got to do it by faith. You, know, you don't go by sight. You don't wait for the dry land. Then you step out by faith. You go out and you'll honor that. Step into that water and see what happens. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. There's flood stage. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zertan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of um, Araba, um, the, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. He was impressed that it was dry. Shouldn't be. Water just stopped. Should be sopping wet. Should have had your muck boots on. Should have been trudging through the mud, the clay, the rocks, whatever it is, the difficulties. No, it's dry. When God goes before us and opens a door, it's smooth and it's easy. Now, there's going to be some battles and struggles, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, it's smooth. It goes like it's supposed to. When I try to open my own doors, they're not so smooth. I remember when we found this place, or before we found this place, I should say it. God told us, or they told us, that you need to get out of this space. We had 30 days. We were in retail. We are at Hibbit Sports. Where Hibbit Sports is, that's where we were. And they said, we need you out by August 31st. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I drove my car around like a divining rod trying to run into the building that God wanted to give us or the place that he wanted us to go. Because as a pastor, you've got to do something. <laughs> I even laid hands on the old Walmart before it was True Value and before it was Heinlein saying, Lord, give us this building, you know. All by myself. I think I brought a couple of guys with me. I think we laid. I prayed. And they were looking at me going, I don't think so. I'm praying by faith, you know. So I called up the leasing company because it was empty. I said, so what do you want for that Walmart building? You know, God's going to break this door down right now. A billion dollars, I said. Because you had to buy out the lease and then you had to buy the property itself. A billion. Swallow hard. And I said, well, the billion's nothing for God. Still walking by faith. Well, it is. He doesn't want to give it to you. And he says, no. So that's not what you guys need. And then a brother and a sister found this place, 20 acres. It's exactly what our kids need. Exactly what they needed. They didn't need another bigger parking lot with more sand to skin their knees on. They needed a place to play. Some place that they could land relatively softly. If it rained once in a while, it might be a little softer out there. But this is what he wanted for them. And God knew. And it was easy. I mean, it went smooth. I was driving around bumping my head into all sorts of walls all day long. Just, oh, it's getting closer and closer. And all of a sudden, oh, here. 
Oh, that was easy. Then we lived in for a couple months in some fireworks tents over on that first parking lot over there because we didn't have a building yet. We got the land, but no building. This wasn't here. We had that old barn that we took down. That was where the kids had Sunday school, but the adults had worship in the fireworks tents that we put together. You know? In the fall, it was getting cold and rainy with these big propane tanks burning, and don't touch it. You'll lose your skin. They were so hot. It was horrible. So you mean there was difficulties and trials. It wasn't easy, but it was easy. We grew. We grew out there. More and more people came. A bunch of weirdos coming to church in fireworks tents, you know. Some of you are still here. It was easy. It was smooth. It was God's will. It went like it was supposed to. And that's what happens when God leads us. And not when you try to lead God and bring him along with you. And so we see that here. Now, he gives them dry ground. Come over on the dry ground. Um, it's, it's, it's our first act that God does for Joshua so that the people can see that God is with him. They needed to see that. They knew it. They heard it. But they needed to see that Joshua um, was God's man on the scene. Uh, it's very important for them to all see that. So chapter 4. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over. It's the second time he said that. God gets everybody across that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people. Those are those 12 we heard about earlier. One from every tribe. And command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Grab 12 stones from the middle of the dry riverbed. These are big stones, big river rocks, and they're going to carry them out. And they're doing this because they're called memorial stones or remembrance stones. They're going to stack them up. Joshua is going to stack them up later on um, over where they stay. We'll see that here in a minute. And they're going to walk by this big pile of huge you know, rocks and say, you know, what are these for, Dad? Well, let me tell you about the time. You know, it was meant to spark a conversation, to let people remember it. Because... God works in our lives in great ways and then little ways and then great ways and then little ways. And sometimes there's some dry spots. There's some gaps in that. We need to remember those things that God did. Sometimes we forget the Bible's kind of a, an abridged version of their lives. We've got a couple chapters and all of a sudden 20 years has passed, 50 years has passed. We don't realize what were they doing that whole time because God didn't do any giant things that were worth writing down. He just maintained and then big things happened. Sarah, Abraham, great example. I'm going to give you a kid. And he waits 20 years. Then he gives him the kid. Some big gaps there. These stones help us, help these folks through those gaps that remind us, no, God is still with us and he did do mighty things for us and will do mighty things for us when, we're, when it's needed. He's always doing little things. He's always leading and guiding us every day. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes the big thing, I haven't had to drive around town looking for a building in a long time. But I remember that. It's a remembrance thing for me. When we go on vacation, we always come back with rocks. That seems to be our, that's what we do. We bring rocks from California, from Colorado, from Utah, wherever. We bring a bunch of rocks. Now, we don't know what to do with these rocks at the Dirks household. Right now, they go to our upper bathroom, the first floor or second floor bathroom, and there they are in a pile in the corner. Giant rock. It looks good, but what are those rocks for? We don't know what to do with them yet. There they are, though. 
Now, those aren't spiritual remembrance stones, but we do remember, oh, that one, those, this California, and those came from here and from there. They're cheap. They're free. You know, I think you can take them. Well, we did. Got a couple from Israel. When I came back from Israel, brought some rocks back from Israel. I was going through customs. That was a funny story. It has nothing to do with the Bible. But I was coming back uh, from Israel, and I had this, I had a, you know, I brought a bag, and I'm lugging it back through customs, you know, that's a lot heavier. I said, uh... I got a lot of rocks. This is on Israel's side. They go, take all the rocks you want. The Palestinians just throw them at us. I said, oh, that was good. That was a good answer. I said, okay. So we took the rocks with us, and, and, and we have some of those. But those are like remembrance things for us in a funny, minor, different way. These are, this is big. This is going to be a speaking point, a talking point for them to share, um, a, a, a moment to share with their kids. I want you to do this. Because your kids might not remember this, but you will. So bring these rocks out. Guys, we need to have those in our lives. I don't know if it has to be physical or not for you. Maybe that helps. Get something physical and write it down. I do. Um, when God speaks to me, I'll show you a glimpse into my Bible. Um, when God shows me something, I write it down. I write the date. I wrote when it happened. It's like a remembrance thing for me. Or sometimes in the passage when I'm studying, I'll put, oh, circle the verse. He spoke to me, the date where I was and all that. And it's just a remembrance thing for me. Those are important. And after about five years, as I get through teaching the Bible and we go through it again, we start again, I see those, oh, I remember that. I remember that conference, you know. Wow, that was back in 96. I can't believe it's been that long or whatever, you know. Um, and I go over those and I'll just remember the things that God did. Sometimes I run across scriptures, it's like, you didn't do that. I was telling you to do something at that conference, you never did it. And it's five years later. Like, Ooh, you know, I remember Little things. It doesn't have to be a rock or a physical thing, but just write it down. Some journal. Some people like to journal. I hate writing and reading, so that's not going to happen. Um, I just do what I can do. Do what you can do to remember what God's done for you, uh, the great works that he's done for you, and how he's moved. Um, they're important to have those remembrances. So do this. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, so they're big, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Because they don't mean anything to them yet. What do these stones mean to you? Why are they so important? Oh. Let me sit down. You've got you to hear this story. And they tell them the story. Guys, our kids need to see God moving in our lives. And they need to have moments where they can say, now, Mom, maybe it's a tradition that you have. You know, that's another good thing. Oh, well, how come we're always at the soup kitchen on Christmas Eve? Let me tell you, son, here's what happened. Or why do we do this? Or why do we always buy, one ha buy two hams? One for us and where does the other one go, Dad? Well, Give them reasons to ask you about your God. Let them see you. Prayer closets are great, but sometimes you've got to get out of the prayer closet and let them see you walk your faith. They've got to see it in action because it doesn't mean anything to them. This will give them an opportunity to follow the same God you followed. Let the same miraculous God do works in their lives that he's done in your lives. Whether they do or not, you can't do anything about that, but it won't be because you didn't teach them or they didn't see it in your life. Have those memorials. So that then when they ask you, what do these stones mean to you? They mean a lot. Let me tell you why. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. 
And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. They didn't set them up. Then Joshua, he does something different here, pay attention. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. They are there to this day. This is something personal. God didn't tell him to do this. This is something Joshua wanted to do. This is for him. Because the waters are going to come back, and really nobody's going to know they're there except the people that witnessed him do it, maybe. Maybe he did it when no one's around. I mean, the, the, the priests are there going, what are you doing, Joshua? I'm, I'm stacking up these 12 stones. Just hold on. You know, we'll get out of here in a minute. And there he is, stacking these 12 stones. I don't know how much, how, how, they, how high they got. Um, it doesn't make any difference, I guess. I, I kind of picture it as, what's that stone doing, sticking up right in the middle of the Jordan, Dad? That's not, that's not one stone, that's 12 on top of each other. How do you know that? Did you swim out there? Did you see that? No, it was dry. You know, maybe it's another moment. Or, or it was just Joshua. And maybe it's below the surface of the water. Nobody knows it's there but him. Imagine you're leading these people every once in a while, maybe going back to that riverbank on the west side this time, kind of looking out there where you put those rocks. Just for you. I'm all for sharing what God's doing in your life, and we should. We want to do that. We want to be. Sometimes I like to hold on to things just for me and him, just to keep it between me and him. Things that I know he's done for me. I've got lots of things that he's done for me. Um, I've seen him move in my life. I've, I have those things. Um, I share some of them. I don't share all of them. Those are things that I think about, you know, because we don't all do well all the time. There are times when you wonder, I don't know. I don't know if God's still with me. I know he was. Don't doubt him at all. I doubt me. I don't know where I stand. I don't know how I'm leading right now. I don't know any of this stuff. And he'll bring to remembrance some of these things that are just between me and him. And I wonder if he didn't do that for Joshua. This is Joshua's moment. I want to build these 12 stones. I want to put them right here. Well, the water may cover them up. They're so heavy that the floods and the currents don't take them away. That's how big these are. Joshua's a big boy. He's got to be. Um, he's lifting these rocks 12 high or, you know, not 12 high. I'm sure it was like a pyramid kind of thing. You know, so they'd all balance on top of each other. But there, there they are. They stacked them together and they're still out there. Maybe the water would go down and they'd see some of them and then they'd go back up again. I don't know, but I like to picture that in my mind. And I think about Joshua's relationship with God. This is what this is about. Just him and, him and the Lord. So he does this, builds them. So the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua and the people hurried and crossed over. I like that. They don't spend a lot of time in the door. Sometimes we like to make it about the door. God, open a door for effective ministry and there it is. And let's talk about the door and decorate the door and paint the door. No, get through the door. Just go. They hurried across. They're not, they're not relishing the moment. They're not holding on to it like it mattered. No, this was the way for them to get into Canaan and actually do what God called them to do. The door's fine, whatever. And we'll remember that. We'll put some rocks up here, but we want you moving forward. That's in the past. We want you to remember that. But let's see what God's going to do for us today. So they hurry across. They get across. I don't think it's because they were scared or lack of faith. I think they were anxious and eager to be obedient to God. Um, so they hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass. When all the people had completely crossed over and the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people and the men of Reuben and the men of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, remember those are the two and a half tribes that settled on the east side, they crossed over armed 
before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them, about 40,000 prepared for war, crossed over before the Lord for battle uh, to the plains of Jericho. So we see that documented that these guys actually kept their word and are going over to fight. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. It was important. God knew that. He knew there were people out there wondering, well, Joshua, of course he picked Joshua. Joshua was always with Moses. You know, he was sucking up to Moses the whole time. Of course he's going to pick, you know, why couldn't it have been Fred or, you know, Ephraim or someone else? Who knows what they were saying or if they were saying anything, but God wanted to make sure they knew, no, I'm with him. God does that. He does that for his men and women in the Bible, but he also does it for you, for me. He lets the world know. Uh, I was reading about Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. I don't have time to turn there right now. We have communion today, but 2 Kings chapter 2, 23. Elisha, a prophet, a great prophet, you know. But some kids decided to call him and said, hey, go up, baldy, go up, bald head, harassing this old guy. He kind of looked at them, and two mother bears come out of the woods and just maul these teens, tear them up. There's a coloring page for Sunday school, huh? It's one we don't show the kids, do we? What were you learning in Sunday school? Oh, I don't know why the boys don't engage in Sunday school. Well, I'll get them that coloring page, and they will, and a lot of red crayons. We think, oh, that's horrible. You shouldn't talk. It's so bloody. Are we studying the Bible, or aren't we? Our God is a God who stands up for us, does battle for us. I think of another one, Daniel. What's the coloring page for Daniel? Tell me the coloring page. Him sitting on a rock down in the tomb with what? A bunch of docile lions. I want the coloring page for the next day. You know what happens the next day? All the guys that accused Daniel got him thrown into the pit. They get thrown into the pit and those lions tear them up. There's two sides to this story. The complete story is both of those days. Yes, God is going to protect you and keep the lion's mouth shut, but those lions are starving to death and waiting for their meal. And God throws the enemies in next. Then you got Moses, of course. You got Miriam and Aaron, his brother and sister, who tried to overthrow him, saying, hasn't God spoken to all of us? Sure he has, but God's chosen me. It's not my fault that he chose me. He chose me. He didn't choose you, and so Miriam gets leprosy. Another coloring page that you don't see. Our kids need to see this. We need to know this. And so Joshua is shown to be God's man by this miraculous work. Um, Everybody knows that he hears from God now. It's not just Joshua we're following, and that's important because Joshua is nobody. Never has been, never will be. Joshua is somebody because he's God's man on the scene. He's chosen by God, just like we are. Of course we know who we are. We know our value. We know our failures and our weaknesses. We know all of that. But as God has called us to be kings and priests, which we don't feel like, but we are, the world needs to see that in us. They need to see God moving and working. They're watching us. Why would they choose your philosophy if it's no different than every philosophy out there? Because it's not a philosophy. It's a God who lives, who's filled us with his Holy Spirit, moves through us, and is changing our lives and changing other people's lives as we walk. We should be walking as Christians, leaving a wake of blessing in our path. And people should be able to see that. And so they see that in Joshua. And God needs to... We'd ask God to do that in our lives so others can see that, so that they can come to him, of course. 
not to us. Verse 15, then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests saying, come up from the Jordan. It's, he's not, nothing more than a parrot. Get him out of the Jordan. Get out of the Jordan. Walk over here. We're going to walk over here. It's not hard to follow God. He commanded him to come up. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. That's important because guarantee you someone was going to say, well, it was already winding down. The flood season was over. It was going to, this is no big deal. Historians love to do that to explain away the miracles. So God said, okay, when you step out, it's going to go right back to full flood stage. So nobody can say that it was just a coincidence that we walked in there at the right time. I love how God protects his word and protects his reputation. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal. That's the place where they're going to set up the stones. The east border of Jericho. That's the first city they're going to conquer. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. There he is building again. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, when your children ask, your father, ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall, say, you shall let the children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. He put that word let in there. I think that's important. We need to let our children know God. Let them experience him and see him moving in our lives. We can keep that from them. I got in the habit of praying with my kids um, before they go to bed. The first four, it was easy. We'd all get in the, you know, we'd all go through and they'd pray and they'd pray and they'd pray and mom would pray and then I'd finish up just kind of how we did things. But then we had that seven-year gap and we had the two, the second set of kids. We had both, and I'm working and I'm tired. And so I say, I'm praying because it's faster because kids ramble, you know. I've learned this. And they've blessed me like 12, thank you for dad and mom and JC and Andrea and Anna and Jed, dad and mom and Jed. I'm like, okay. We did, we did this already. It's not cute anymore. I'm tired. So I'd start praying, and I'd gotten away from letting them pray. Big mistake, obviously. I mean, everybody's here going, you did? What a creep. I know. But at the time, I was tired, and I wasn't thinking. And so I've gotten away from that. I said, you know what? You start. You, let's just go through, and let's all pray again. Take the time. It doesn't matter how tired you are. Let the kids have their relationship with God to grow in it. Teach them. Be alongside of them in it. You know? Learn and uh, let them. So let these kids, let them know. Uh, saying Israel crossed over uh, on dry land here. For the Lord your God dried up the waters for the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It's not only for you. It's not only for your kids. It is for the entire world to see the strength of of the living God. All right, let's pray. And then we're going to have communion here. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for uh, writing this down for us, Lord. Lord, they had remembrance stones. Lord, we have remembrance stones. However that looks in our lives, God, help us to remember the mighty things you've done for us. Um, but also, Lord, help us to look forward to the mighty things you're doing with us and going to do for us, God. We want to do that. Um, help us to remember these things, to write them down, to teach our kids um, to let you lead and to never try to bring you along with us. Help us to say 3,000 feet back, but always eye right on you, keep our eyes on you, but help us to follow and keep a, 
a distance to where we don't make a mistake and go the wrong direction, God. Um, thank you for taking the steps and going before us. You've never asked us to go any place that you haven't gone already. You've never asked us to do anything that you haven't done already. You've always led us that way by example. What a great example Jesus was for us. You in the flesh showing us this is how you do it. This is what Christianity looks like. This is what it means to do the Father's will. This is what self-sacrifice looks like. This is what power looks like by God. Lord, thank you for letting us see that. Now you want us to walk that way. Lord, help us to walk that way. Lord, we're going to have communion now. As we take this little piece of bread and this little cup of juice in our hands, we remember what you've done for us. That's what you said. On the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread, you broke it, you handed it out and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise with the cup, you took it and you passed it around and said, this is the cup of the blood of my new covenant. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Now you hadn't died on the cross yet. That was going to happen the next day. And so it was symbolic. You wanted them to know that what was about to happen was for them. And that this meal that they were eating is about him, about you. We thank you for that, Lord. And so this meal that we're about to have together is about you. This is your broken body. It symbolically represents what you did on the cross for us. It wasn't, you're not against us. You wanted, and it was your idea, to die for the sins of the world. We thank you for that. We know that your blood was shed, and there's a new covenant in your blood. It's not the old covenant. It's a new one. We have grace, and we have mercy, and your blood washes away our sins and makes us white as snow, covers. We thank you for that, God, continually. Lord, you also warn us, Paul warned in Corinthians, that we're not to eat and drink in an unworthy manner. We eat and drink judgment to ourselves when we do that. What's the unworthy manner? It's to know what you've done, but to reject you as our Savior. To know that you died on the cross for our sins, but not to believe it or receive it. And so you tell them that you don't have to be judged if you judge yourselves. And so this morning we want to judge ourselves. We know that our sins have separated us from you. We know um, that you loved us and that you found a way and made a way through your son Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to be the payment for those sins so that we don't have to pay for them ourselves. We thank you for that. We want to be born again. We long to be born again, filled with your spirit. We receive you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the salvation we have in you. We celebrate that this morning, God. Thank you for it. Lord, as we eat together, we're also reminded that we're the body of Christ. And that as we take you in symbolically, Lord, we know that you affect every area of our lives. God, help us to be a strong fellowship, Lord. That people would see you, um, not us. That we wouldn't uh, outshine you. We only want to see you. And you love a gentle and quiet spirit. We thank you for that. We want that. So fill us with your spirit, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this time we get to have together. And... Um, Thank you for this meal that you knew we needed. This is our, probably our greatest memorial stone. That we would remember what you've done for us on the cross. No matter what's happened to us lately, uh, small potatoes compared to what you did for us 2,000 years ago. The finished work of the cross. And we remember that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat. Lord Jesus, we want to be broken vessels for you that people can see your grace and your mercy that you've showered on us come out of us, uh, that they might see that we're not perfect, um, but we have a wonderful Savior who loves us and is conforming us into his image. And so, God, as we 
break these little vessels we have in our hands, Lord, we do this as a symbol of our broken lives, that we're no better. We just have a Savior. And God, help us to share that with this world who needs you desperately. In Jesus' name, amen.